Way back in 2005, two brothers set off on a road trip that would save the world and change television. Dave and Buster? <laughs> I'm going to give it to you, Buster. For 15 seasons and 327 episodes, Supernatural took audiences on a wild ride of family, fate, and faith with a rocking soundtrack and a seriously cool car. But that was then, Bobbo, and this is now. And yes, the show has quote-unquote ended, but we're not quite done with the journey. No, we're not. And that's why we're watching it all over again, or for Rob and me, for the first time, that's right. diving deep into every episode of Supernatural with the fine folks who made it. And we're taking you along for the ride. Whether you like it or not. I'm Rob Benedict. I played Chuck Shirley, a.k.a. God. Uh, spoiler! Yeah, it is a bit of a spoiler, but hey, spoilers are fair game here. Ah, uh, fine. And I'm Richard Spate Jr., and I played the Trickster, also known as the Archangel Gabriel. And I did a little bit of Loki work in there. Okay, you know we, we're running out of time. Okay, well, we'll be talking about the entire series, so whatever we say, accept it. You've been warned. So buckle up and settle in. Because this, my friend, is Supernatural, then and now. Hi, everybody. It's Rob Benedict. And I am Richard Spate. And we're talking about season two, episode 20, what is and what should never be. Yeah, man. One of my favorite Led Zeppelin songs. And I think one of my favorite episodes to date. It's so good. Well, summarize it for us first. Let's okay. let's get let's do let's do this in order. Okay. Robbie, summarize it. Dean gets captured by a gin. A He's, what? Uh gin. How do you how, now? How do you come up with the pronunciation of that? Uh, you just walked me through it before we started recording, but it's D J I N N. And like, what was the what was the corresponding analogy I gave you? Like, if you were ordering a cocktail from your friend Jennifer, exactly, you'd say, "Hey, Jen, can you make me a gin and tonic?" <laughs> <laughs> Dean gets captured by a gin he's hunting in an abandoned warehouse. He wakes up next to an unfamiliar woman, Carmen, in an apartment he doesn't recognize. He calls Sam, who thinks Dean is acting drunk. After some further exploration, Dean discovers he's in Lawrence, Kansas. He heads to his childhood home, where he finds Mary isn't dead. What? Mom's not dead? No. The djinn has granted <laughs> his most desired wish to have his mother alive. He has given him a new reality where the demon never attacked, and John lived a normal life with his family until he passed away from a stroke. Wow. Now, at first, Dean really—I was about to say, djinn— <laughs> That's the celebrity couple name if Dean started dating a gin. Right. Dean. <laughs> At first, Dean really enjoys his new life. He likes spending time with Mary and his girlfriend, Carmen. He even mows the lawn in December in Kansas. <laughs> However, he comes to realize that he and Sam are very distant, even antagonistic, Oh, yeah. in, in this reality. He starts and Sam's very California, by the way. I just want to Very California. You know, he never left college. This is a, the different Sam. Yeah. He starts to get visions of a sickly woman. He discovers that all the people he saved over the years while hunting demons are all dead. Dean visits John's grave and has a crisis of purpose. Why can't he enjoy this life? Why not? Why is it his job to save everyone? Why? He knows what he has to do. He has to find the djinn in this reality and kill it. <laughs> Sam catches Dean breaking into Mary's house to steal a silver knife. Sam says he's going to come along. Dean and Sam find the warehouse. The woman Dean is seeing in his visions is hanging in there while being fed on by the djinn. Wait, she's hanging just, just like she's doing okay? Hanging no, in there? No, she's literally hanging from a rope, having her oh. blood drawn from her. by this, She's hanging in there. Yeah. Hanging in there. By the djinn, which we haven't even mentioned yet, has a tattoo like none I've ever seen. I mean, this his face is tattooed, his arms are tattooed. I wonder if the actor was really that tattooed. I doubt it. 
Dean concludes that he must kill himself in order to wake up. Sam tries to stop him. Mary, Carmen, and Jess materialize to talk Dean out of it. However, he does it. He does it, man. He stabs himself. Stabs the hell out of himself, then wakes up in the real world where Sam is rescuing him. The djinn attacks Mm. him, and Dean is able to kill it, saving himself and the mystery woman. Back at the motel, Dean is having mixed feelings about the alternate life he experienced. Sam assures him that the lives they have saved are worth the sacrifices they have made. Now, listen, I know we're going to go into the review here, but before we do that, a little trivia for you. Do you know what uh, Jin's favorite mustard is? What? Dijon. Dijon. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He actually has his own. It's called Dijon's Dijon. Now, okay, I... It's the first episode that uh, Eric Kripke has directed of Super. Directed by Eric Kripke. The creator of the show. And I really, really enjoy this episode. In fact, last night I was watching it kind of late at night. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to watch half tonight. I'll watch this next half tomorrow morning. (laughs) Right. Did I? Absolutely not. I watched the entire thing. Couldn't take my eyes off of it. Wow. Just really loved it. I love Dean's alternate, the alternate reality aspect of it. I love the way Jared plays alternate reality Sam. I love that Dean, that we get crying Dean. We get really funny Dean. We get kind of drunk, day drinking, unemployed Dean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know? And that was great to see Sam Smith back, to see Adrian Palicki back. Nice to see who Dean picked as a bride. She's the hot bride. A fun-loving, uh, burger-eating young lady. Did Eric write this one too? No, he did not. It was Rael Tucker, right? It was Rael Tucker, yeah. Okay. Rich, not a fan, or what'd you think? I thought it was fantastic. I, I loved it. I loved the conceit of it. Again, it's one of those episodes that can only be pulled off by a show that knows how to do it technically and by actors who can act it correctly. And Jared and Jensen just crush it. Again, without being cheeky about it, they play it real straight and, you know, honestly, they just do a great job in this sort of giant tonal shift. And Dean's sort of surprise that he experiences because of this shift. I mean, it's just so well done, man. Yeah, I mean, my synopsis do- doesn't do it justice. I mean, the, you're you're finding it out as he's finding it out. You don't quite know what where what's going on yet, and you really don't. Like you yeah. know, just so you know, I didn't know the Jins had these powers, so I'm as confused as Dean, right? Which is which is a really fun ro- uh, yeah. ride to yeah. take. Yeah, I also like at the end when he goes, when he kills himself and goes back to reality, and the shot is of Sam moving toward him, and you don't know, because he, he, I saw the same thing. Yeah. It was a great way of, of bridging yeah. one world to the other. You don't know which is one. He's in front of Sam in the alternate reality, kills himself, and then Sam's still there moving towards him. And uh, sure enough, it's it's we're back to reality. Um, yeah, it looks just like Sam from the, I mean, you can't tell from that right. shot until he gets over and you see that Dean is hanging there getting right. bled out. Yeah. Do you realize what's going on? I, I really put myself in the shoes of like someone who was watching it back in the day too. And you're, you're, you're watching the show on the CW that's really finding its legs. And we're way beyond Monster of the Week at this point. And it's, it's really, you're going, wow, this show is really going places. You know, it's really, I mean, going it's really doing things, impressing, uh, pushing the boundaries of what this show is and what it's capable of. And I, I know we're just scratching the surface because I, you and I both know where it goes from here. So, um, Right. Really exciting. Oh, that was great. And I, I'll go ahead and leap in here and say, man, season two has been strong, real strong. Real I'm strong. going Stapleton. I'm going full Stapleton. I didn't find any cheesy moments. I found it grounded. I found it honest. I found the scary part scary and yeah. the surprising part surprising and yeah. the humor uh, humorous. I'm giving full Stapleton. And I'm uh, going full Loggins. 
full logins for this guy. 1970s logins, I assume? Yeah, yeah, logins and yeah. Messina logins. Great job, Supernatural. Another home run. I think we should, on, on our uh, Patreon, put pictures a beard of- chart? Yeah, of the, yeah. Of what, like a, what a 70s logins looks like, you know, and what a Chris Stapleton looks like. You know what I think we should do? And this will be great. And I, you're spot on, Rob. I think you should come up with your five. You know how you've used right. 70s logins, 80s logins. And so you could do- you know, one being your favorite, obviously. Uh-huh. Go back to five. Uh-huh. Like, you know, one through five. Uh-huh. These are my, this is my right. my beard. Yeah. My rainbow beard. So yeah. And I'll do yeah. the same thing. Yeah. And then we can have the, the chart up there on Patreon and people can see for reference what we're talking my, about. My beard palette. Yes, exactly. Let's do that. Okay, done. Consider it done. All right, well, let's get into our interview. We had uh, the distinct pleasure of talking once again to our friend Todd Arenauer. Our dear friend Todd Arenauer. He's involved in so many episodes. Let's hear his take on this one. Well, let's dive into it. Ravi, do your thing. Todd Arenauer, a friend of the podcast, served as producer on the series from 2005 to 2016 for 241 episodes. 241 is a boatload. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what our uh, team found out. Uh, He most recently worked as a producer on Netflix's Ginny and George. Welcome back, Todd Arenauer. Thank you. Thank you. It's Ginny and Georgia. Season two. Yeah, I had, uh, yeah, I have uh, Ginny and Georgia. I had, uh, it's a typo on my end. It's, it's your team that's, that's no, lacking. It's Somebody the team. Is gonna Nothing screams professionalism like effing up the one credit we're going to talk about. And the thing is, I knew it's Ginny and Georgia, but that just goes to show that I don't pre-read my intros. I did also just start a couple of weeks ago on What We Do in the Shadows, season five. Oh my you gosh, did? that yes. show is great. Oh, dude, I'm such a huge fan of that show. Yeah. I've seen every episode that's excellent uh so that that shoots here huh that shoots in toronto i was gonna say it always looks so cold yeah it uh it's in toronto there's uh i I know you guys aren't prepared for questions for that but um it, it just diving into a show when it's in season five uh it's it's a mountain to climb to get up to speed wow i i don't think i realized it's been on that long are they how long are their seasons 13 10 episodes, but the first season premiered in 2018. So they kind of have, they take a short break and start up on the following season while they're still working on the previous season. So they haven't delivered. So like they're picked up for, uh, I I guess I shouldn't say they, we're picked up for season five and six. So we will likely still be working in post by the time we start up with season six. Amazing. Wow. That's awesome. Well, that's good news because I'm a huge fan. And that the most recent season, they got very uh you could tell they like upped the budget because the the, the special effects got more intense. Every season. Is that right? Kind of, well yeah. w- with every show, that happens a lot where uh yeah. the, the overall budgets seem to get tighter and tighter, but visual effects uh, along with everybody's salaries gets uh, higher and higher. Wow, that's good to know. And was that was that true for Supernatural as well? You know, with Supernatural, because we had the in-house visual effects team, it really became just how much time do they have to deliver what the scripts are asking for. And what uh, Ivan and the team and, and Mark Malash were able to do over the years was to find new ways, new software, new plugins, uh, and sometimes new hardware too, to um, uh, stay within budget and just deliver more. But yeah, the the number count certainly got higher and higher year after year. When we first built it in season two, 
we were only anticipating 25, maybe 50 shots tops per episode. Uh, wow. And over the years, it just got more and more aggressive, more and more uh, creative. And they yeah. were finding creative ways to do it. And th- and we had always said, if it gets too big, then let's let's throw some bigger shots to to a vendor and you guys could take care of the bulk of it, the bulk of the episodes that would be okay. Just let us know if we have to do that. And Ivan from the start was like, yeah, we'll have it in our back pocket if we need it. But we never had to do that. There's There were some like QC uh, production fixes that were just last minute that we ended up doing at Technicolor, which was our post house. They had a small um, online visual effects team at the time, which has grown into what we know as ghost visual effects now. Um, wow. But um, yeah, they, they would just take care of just small, quick cleanups. But uh, our team took care of everything across the board. So mm-hmm. the numbers, the number of shots per episode and over the course of the season just grew every year, year after year after year. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So right now we're talking about the end of season two, episode 20. And this was uh, the first episode that Eric Kripke directed. Do you remember what it was like Having him, Eric, the director versus Eric, the the EP, was, was everybody on tip-top behavior? Yeah, I'm just wondering because you got to feel like, oh, here comes Eric. And Eric's like, I think we're going to do this. And everybody's like, yes, sir. Absolutely, sir. Great idea. <laughs> Even though they, no other director would get away with it. You know what I mean? But like, sure, Eric, it's your show. Uh, most of the, Yeah, most of the people didn't... Um didn't know Eric as a director. I happened to know him beforehand, which we had talked about. And he had uh, done... He had directed a few short films to um, some pretty good acclaim and festival circuits. So I knew him to wear that hat. I've seen him in action previously. So, but like Bob, Phil, uh, other people, I think felt maybe they felt that they were taking more of a chance. But just the way he writes, the way he is in meetings ahead of time and having almost two full seasons of Supernatural, not to mention the other shows that he's uh, that he ran before, immediately talking to him. You just know that he's a smart guy. He knows his shit, And he's not somebody to push his way just because he sees it that way. He wants to, if, if somebody has another idea, he's this way in editing, he's this way in meetings, in notes calls. If somebody has an idea that he didn't think of, they'll consider it. And a lot of times, if he thinks that that's the best way to go, he'll give that person credit and and, and move in that direction. So, I think that's yeah. probably the sign of a good leader, right? I mean, the, the ability to recognize excellence in others and sort of tap into that is, I think, probably the mark of a, of a great team leader and a great artistic leader. Plus, he had such a specific vision. I had the pleasure of working with him as a director on Supernatural, and I always, I always felt like it was, it's kind of, it's kind of a relief having him there because it like cuts out the middleman, like you can just go right to the source. You know what I mean? What should this be? And you know, he has such a clear vision of what, of what the show is, what it needs to be. Yeah, and a lot of times in any of these meetings, whether he wrote it or not, he would say, you know what, this, this was my idea when we were breaking the story. This is what I had in my head. Uh, I understand it might not be portrayed that well uh, on the page, but let's let's see what we could do in that direction. Let's uh, what are our options here? And he knows the production right. process backwards and forwards, going going through the pilot and season one and the majority of season two through production and all the meetings and everything that he was involved in. He really got to know the inner workings of what it takes to put put an episode of Supernatural together from every which way. Bob was a great source of knowledge and experience. Right. And 
he came to the show just going through the pilot itself. So by the time it got picked up, he was extremely prepared and he just enjoys the process. He's like a little kid that he's a, he, he's a kid in the sandbox that has the toys that uh, he invites everybody to come play with him instead of like keeping people at bay. He wants people to jump yeah. in and be right. collaborative and be part yeah. of the process. And part of being a director and being a leader and being a showrunner is to find ways to get the best out of people. And it's that type of attitude that makes people want to come to work and, and do their best. And how can we improve on this? This is Jensen stopping in to say hey and let you know that we... You can sense it calling out to you. New reality seeks you. Join the journey to save Anomaly. Place where sound is magic. The only way to enter the world is by looking inward. Along the way, you'll learn potions, chants, and enchantments that will help you both in that reality and yours. So, answer the call and let your campaign begin. Featuring the voices of Ruth Connell from Supernatural and Dead Boy Detectives. There are ordeals ahead, yet with guidance, you will face them head on without fear. Todd Stashwick from Star Trek Picard and Twelve Monkeys. When the time arrives, wherever your journey takes you, be there with no attachments. And R&B singer N.C. Gray. There are worlds, realms, dimensions, and realities beyond yours. Anomaly is a role-playing meditation podcast that takes you into a world of magic and fantasy. You'll be invited to imagine yourself in scenarios such as learning to cast a tranquility spell or exploring a land vanquished by a dragon, but all connected by a shared mythology. The goal of guided fantasy role-playing meditations are to help you cultivate a sense of wonder, curiosity, balance, and joy in your inner world. Role-playing meditation is a form of escapism and relaxation, as well as a creative outlet for the imagination. The first campaign is an introduction to the world of Anomaly, its lands, magic, and secrets. In the eight chapters, you'll stretch your imagination, learn to center yourself, offer forgiveness, find confidence, relieve stress, and stop racing thoughts. Your true self will emerge, allowing you to manage your goals and dreams without confusion, distrust, or self-doubt. You can find it on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Or visit SeekAnomaly.com to learn more. Anomaly spelled with an I-E, not a Y. Seek Anomaly. Hear its magic. You've got to take a quick break. I'm about to pop. Thanks for supporting Supernatural, then and now. And now, back to the show. Now, like the, I think it's the romantic side of Kripke's involvement, which is all true. I'm sure, and you guys know more than I do because I never, I never worked with them as a, as a director. That said, I know from Phil Segrisha coming to direct and Bob Singer coming to direct that people would be like, you know, I shadowed Phil and Bob, and they would do things 
and you're shadowing them and you're going, oh, okay, cool. And the AD would go, yeah, you don't, you don't try that. Like that's, that's EP decision-making right there. You know, cause they can, they can make decisions right in that moment. Like Rob said, you're going to the source, right? Well, they're the source and Eric's really the source. So I, you know, it has to be an interesting thing to AD for him or any department for him when he's directing, knowing that he literally is the genesis of the whole thing. And, and there's not going to be a lot of pushback if he's decided to do something a certain way. Not that he's going to decide to do it the wrong way, because he's obviously very good at what he does. But I do think there's some there's some liberties or some freedoms that you would have in, in that position that you wouldn't right. have if you were and hired. One guy. thing I do remember from this episode that I, I think we mentioned this probably in a production meeting early on was just small details that he wanted to bring to it that would really only come from his point of view. And actually, the last episode that I spoke with you guys about, the TV playback, there was a, something wicked, This Way Comes, uh, where you see a lot of the boys as young boys, young Sam, young Dean. And there's one scene where the TV's playing in the background and there's a right. cartoon in the background. There's different... There's different shows playing, but one of them was a clip of Thundercats. And he wanted us to find clips that were from when they were kids, just things that were, because we're in Dean, in this episode, we're in Dean's right. sort of idyllic, it, it's his wish that mom never died. Mind. Right. Yeah. The parallel universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. His wish, what would have been? So there, there's little uh, little snippets throughout the episode. The one that I remember is the, the Thundercats clip, because when I watched this uh, and watching yeah. the previous, I never would have remembered this if I wasn't on the podcast with you guys and rewatched that episode and then this one uh, pretty close together. But right. it was a Thundercats clip in this episode also and little snippets from his memories that uh are scattered throughout the episode that um you may or may not notice and i'm yeah. sure there's other things that maybe even got cut out that i didn't that, that yeah. i don't remember or just didn't even pick up on well and also the, all the old photos they have framed uh obviously a lot of photoshopping going on there you know they, they, had, they took actual photos of young jensen and young jared and they photoshopped them all together. I thought that was really yeah. And then probably fun. some that are not photoshopped. Like you know, I don't know if Jensen at prom was his real prom date, and they just asked that young lady to sign a release. You know, I don't know because they had some cool yeah, like they, old high school are, shots. They of the guys are real right. the photos that, that were really licensed, cool. and and they're not. Um, those aren't easy yeah. to license, especially the posed one that is shot by a company or a, a paid photographer that comes in because it's the person that takes right. the picture that right. owns the rights. Wow. I can you imagine that phone call like somewhere somewhere in Texas, some dude took that prom picture of Jared. Like Jerry's prom photos. This is Jerry. <laughs> exactly. You want a what? For my what now? It, uh, it makes me think that we should be doing better paperwork uh, whenever you want to splash my tasteful nudes up on the podcast, Robbie, for the I Patreon know, folks. I know. <laughs> I know. I should I should really talk to the photographer. <laughs> me. Um <laughs> Um, so you, you could tell it's a, it's an alternate reality in this episode. Surge made it much brighter. It looks different. Well, let's, let, me, let me ask you a question based on that, Rob, before you even go through the question. Dude, was that a pregame conversation? Like, was there a conversation in advance with everybody? And Sarah's like, I got it. I got this LUT I'm going to throw on there. Right? Like, is that, is that a, something that Eric was involved in? Or does Sarah's go, leave it to me. I got it. How, how detailed and how deep does everybody get involved in that beforehand? 
Well, we were still shooting film at this point. So um, it was the Telesene transfer process. Oh, wow. It, it wasn't as easy back then to do sort of a, a split camera master color and then right. dailies color. Right. So so let's just just to walk people through the explanation here. Nowadays, if you want to put a new color palette onto a sequence, like a dream sequence or anything, you see it in real time. It, it may not be the final version, but your DIT guy can dial that up. And so the monitors that the directors are watching and the directors and the DP is watching is it's showing, it's reflecting what that might look like. But you're, but back then, if on film, there wouldn't be a mock-up of that as for anybody to see, correct. right? You would have the monitors that you could look at, uh, how it's lit and the filters that are being used. And there were some limited ways of uh, dialing the, the colors and the levels up and down a little bit on the monitors. But the way that you were recording, filming everything, you wanted the negative, what the, you, you wanted a fat negative. You wanted to have as much latitude in the color space that you were recording. So that way the colorist in the end uh, for final color has as much latitude in, in, uh, in the color, the saturation, the chroma, everything across the board. So with this episode, everything that was present day, real day was shot uh, the way we expected right. uh, and the way that our show is. And there was the intentional lighting and probably filters as well. But again, you want to leave the film negative with as much latitude as possible, even if you are going to tweak it. So the only reason why to tweak it when you're shooting is if you are 100% certain that you are dead set on going this way. And having Eric be the director and being the one making right. those decisions, then you certainly can absolutely do that with his say-so. And it was the intention to have, right. uh, in Dean's mind, to be the idyllic setting. He's mowing the lawn. He's doing house chores. He's helping mom out. And, but there's a lot that could be done in final color. So a lot of it was left to uh, Sparkle, right. our colorist, for the run of the show. Sparkle. Uh, I love that. I keep forgetting, but why was he? What is Sparkle yeah. short for? It's like Stephen P. Arkle. Stephen P. Arkle. That's genius. It really does sound like a made up thing. Like, I'm right. Stephen so, P. Arkle, so but call set, me Sparkle. It, it, it just sounds uh, like for a, this particular episode, it would, uh, it, they would have the conversation and it could just be like, ah, we'll go to Sparkle's Bay and he'll. A fake waterway. Drinking, uh, fro- frosty that's hilarious. Like a <laughs> casino <laughs> in Vegas. What's happening? <laughs> Sparkle Bay. That's really funny. Well, Dean's moment at John's grave is always uh, its always a challenge for an actor having a monologue to yourself. Um, how, do, how do you guys make these moments interesting after they've been shot? You know, a, a lot of times this episode really showcased Jensen's just his, his range because yeah, man. in, in yeah. this episode, it, it shows it all. There's horror. There's a lot of drama. There's a lot of emotion. Yeah. Good comedy in there too. That great comedy that isn't yeah. for this episode to switch from one to the other so quickly isn't easy. Yeah, but no. It no. was episodes like this that showed us uh, over the course of the series how much we can put on both of the guys and how much they can actually handle and bring to the table just when you're shooting. So the one perfect man tier. I mean, he yeah he was able to pull that off time and time again. 
and yeah, they, there really wasn't much needed. Sure, there's had some score, mm-hmm. but just in the in the framing and in the delivery of of the lines, it's there. Yeah, he's so good yeah. in this episode. I mean, he just angers it so well, and everything Jared does is great as well. It just it's it focuses so much on Dean. I actually think Jared's great in this episode as well because uh, you know you really get the sense that he's he's Sam. If Dean hadn't come back in his life and pulled him into hunting, you believe a hundred percent. He's so like California yeah. Sam. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's so it's so funny the way it's it's done. Um, yeah. When he jumps in the car. And they go to Illinois where the gin is. And yeah. Dean has that moment. He's just like, Bitch. and for a second, you expect Sam to come back with a jerk. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. There, there are several things like that that you're like, oh, my gosh, I forget that we've just we've just assumed that this is the norm. But it didn't necessarily have to be that way. Now, production wise, I know they broke this into a couple of parts. I don't exactly know the details here, but we were told that it was shot in separate chunks to accommodate Adrian Palicki. Do you recall how that played out? Not enough to uh, to go into any further detail than what you guys already. Uh, I'm just wondering how broken apart it was. Like, I wonder if it was, you know, they shot the episode and then came back two weeks later and did her her days. I mean, I wonder how that played out in the execution of it, it all. It, it probably was either just before or just after. It, it wasn't too far apart from each other because by the end of, of the season, we're up against air. So... There were times, there were other times, I could speak in generalities, just knowing where we were in the schedule and how close we were to to air and delivery. And just knowing ahead of time when the script came out, uh, they would immediately reach out to the cast members, the returning cast members, get their schedules and try to lock that in. Once they would find out that Adrian wasn't able to make it, they would say, okay, when can you make it? And can we have her scenes ready early if she's coming in early, which we've done on other episodes also where there were somewhere Jeffrey D. Morgan wasn't available when we were shooting the episode. We right. had to, to shoot a couple of scenes not within that episode's block. So right. um, I don't remember if it was earlier or later, but um, again, for, because Eric was the director, it makes it much easier I shouldn't say easier, but less complicated to arrange. Well, you're not, not going to lose your director, for example. I mean. right. right. So he's working on the show, whether he's directing it, writing it, editing. Um, right. So it's just a matter of whenever it's scheduled, fly up there. It's already prepped and ready to go. So knowing that ahead of time makes it much more manageable of what the actor's schedules are. Right. Um, I wonder what Palicki was working on. I wonder if it was uh, Friday Night Lights. It's about that time, I want to say. so. Confirmed. Friday Night Lights. Hey, there Friday it was. Lights. That's a point for Robbie me. Robbie gets that one. Robbie, congratulations. You get Thank you so a hearty much. handshake. Thanks to everybody. <laughs> well, you know, I just think this is a really terrific it episode. Is. I thought it was really well done. So well done. I was Thank you. very Thank invested. You. It's Todd. It was your your <laughs> finest it, hour. It has Aaron Hour written all over it. <laughs> I agree. No, you know what? I tell you, Supernatural <laughs> does this thing, man. They continue to do it. Aside from the great acting and clever writing, they shift tone so nimbly. You know, you guys were able to do things in post and in the pre production process, and obviously the shooting of the show that just shift seamlessly from one style to another. And in this episode a couple of times within the show itself. So it's just it's just amazingly well done uh, and, and seamless in its execution. And I, I just, 
there's just not a lot of shows now that could do it. There sure as heck weren't a lot back when this show was was breaking new ground that could stand toe-to-toe with what Supernatural could pull off. And that's a, a, a testament to what you do, to what your team does, to what the pre-production team does. You know, the post factor is massive, especially in a show like this. And it's um, it's just super awesome to, to see it play out and see how well it benefits the story. Well, the reason why CW was able to last as long as it has was because it started with uh, with a show like this. Yeah, so good. Todd, thank you for being here. Thank you for being part of the conversation again. Yeah. Always a treat. Thanks for having me. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Now, back to the episode. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? What would you do? Would you go for a run, take a nap, read a book, watch Supernatural? Maybe all the above. Or maybe it's that thought that brings in a sense of panic. I mean, the question is, what time for what? If time is unlimited, how do we use it? Sometimes the hardest time for people who work every day is the weekends. When people are faced with a choice, if I've got this free time, what do I do with it? If this rings true for you, maybe therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy for many years now, and I talk openly about it. I still go to therapy um, about once a week, and it's just such a nice time for me to to have that free space to to try to figure out who I am really and what i really want and what makes me happy it's super important and often neglected taking this time if you're thinking about starting therapy give better help a try it's entirely online it's designed to be convenient and flexible and suited to your schedule so all you do is you fill out this brief questionnaire you get matched with a licensed therapist and then oh get this you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge because they want you to be happy that's what this is about. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash S-P-N-T-A-N today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash S-P-N-T-A-N. Hey guys, it's Rob. So check this out. I'm very pleased to announce that we have a new super sponsor. That's right. Marvel Strike Force. So Marvel... The one and only Marvel has a mobile game, and it's a comic book fan's dream. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. So, okay, so your goal is to power up your favorite characters, and you complete missions, and then you unlock fun stuff like gear and other resources, and then you beat other players in a PvP, player versus player mode, such as Alliance War or Real Time Arena. So as we, as I record this, they're enjoying their six-year anniversary. So you know what that means? Free stuff. Free stuff just for signing up via the unique link in the description. So the anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. And if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. So make sure you log in every day, each week. You take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. 
we've received a unique promo code for every new user. So please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. All right. Thanks once again to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Well, that was so great to talk to Todd again. You know, it's the stuff you don't see that makes it fascinating. It's it's one thing to talk about, you know, being on set and executing the show in real time, which we are lucky enough to have a lot of people come on and talk to us about. But man, there's a lot of moving parts behind the scenes that make it awesome and make it unique. And and this episode, of course, benefited from that tremendously. And I uh, great to have Todd here and get the first-hand account of how that all went out. Yeah, and I, um, I'm just kicking myself. I forgot to ask him about the tattooed guy, but maybe we'll find out about it in the fun facts. We'll see. So let's let's get right to it. First of all, though, it's time for mythology. Mythology, mythology, mythology. The djinn. Djinn? Djinn comes from Muslim mythology, and they are described in the Quran as being made of smokeless fire. Belief in them was also common in pre-Islamic Arabia. You know what? You should have said, do you know that jinn come from Muslim mythology? I will tell you one thing as we're reading this in real time, because Robbie, uh, Robbie and I never read these things beforehand. That's what keeps it alive. That's true. Um, when I kind of looked at this, it said, I don't know why. I just glanced at it as you were reading it. And I thought Quran was Korean and smokeless fire and belief became smokeless beef. <laughs> so I just saw Korean smokeless, smokeless beef. beef. And as you're reading, I'm like, what does that have to do with Korean smokeless beef? Well, you know, there's a great Korean smokeless beef place down the street. <laughs> you know, this is what happens when we do these podcasts too close to lunch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, for some reason, I really want a gin and tonic and Korean smokeless beef. <laughs> gin and tonic. Uh, the word gin translates to both demon and a positive spirit in Arabic. So, so I could be a jinn, and you can also be a jinn. Right. And we're both being honest. Right. And we're both accurate. Right. But it's interesting, because demon was is a negative thing, and but also a positive spirit. Well, if you're a demonist, sure it is. <laughs> I mean, you're very judgy of demons. I'm saying not all demons. I mean, you're really stereotyping all demons as bad. And I think that's Right. I see. Brazen. I see. That kind of, okay. Like, all right. So I'm a demonist. Yeah. Okay. You're a demonist. Um, the way the djinn feeds in the episode is unique to Supernatural. Eric wanted to do something visceral as opposed to mystical. I thought so, because I thought djinns were really more of a peanut butter and jelly type of uh, spirit. Right, But no. this, we, they went old school in this one, or new school, if you will. Yeah, no, they're just, they're kind of bloodsuckers, but also physicians, because they're really, you know, they're taking, just <laughs> taking out through the vein. <laughs> Have the IV bags handy? Exactly. Yeah. They, you know, they don't really have to get their the mouths dirty. Not like the vampires. They got they're a classier version. Exactly. Classy vampires tattooed up the wazoo. Hey, it's time for fun facts. <laughs> fun facts! Fun facts. Ah, oh, so much fun. The title of the episode comes from a Led Zeppelin song that my band has covered called What Is and What Should Never Be from the 1969 album Led Zeppelin II. Awesome. The photos throughout Mary's home are real photos of Jared Padalecki and Jensen Ackles when they were children and young men. And you could tell. You could tell. They really were. There's no no fudge in that. That was that was young, young Jared and Jensen. Oh, yeah. Uh, really fun. Really fun to see that. The law book Sam is reading is written by Kevin Parks. Parksopedia, that's the uh, fir legendary first AD of Supernatural, Kevin Parks, who's been a guest on this show, by the way. Yes, right. They had to shoot around Adrian Palicki's schedule because she had a commitment to Friday Night Lights. So ah. obviously she couldn't work on Friday nights. Uh, they switched 
uh, to filming a different episode for five days, then switched back to get her for the three days they needed. Obviously, none of those days included a Friday night. <laughs> She's terrific in that show, too, by the way. And, She's and, and so actually, great. That, and everything. That show has a, uh, I think that is a rewatch podcast. I, I, I feel like I just saw that they just started one. Anyway, we don't care about that. We only care about this one. Right. Uh, okay, here we go. Drum roll. The actor who played the Dijin, whose name is Mackenzie Gray, had to stay in makeup for four days. Four days. Because there wasn't enough time to add or remove them each day. They covered his eyebrows with a prosthetic so the tattoos would be continuous. Unbelievable. That guy had to sleep on his back and not roll around. I tossed and turned. I would have been a tattoo artist nightmare. Not to mention because uh, I would have been rubbing all thing all over the pillows. You know what I mean? Not to mention you can't go out. Oh, you can't go out. People don't want tattooed face guy going out. You just ordering room service. And Wait, saying, why can't you go out? <laughs> Hold on. Why couldn't you, you look, go out? I don't know. I just I would think that he'd maybe. I mean, I I don't know. Nobody would mess with you. That's true. No one would mess with me. There's that positive. Yeah. Anyway, the, the 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 tattoos looked awesome, and the guy did a great job. They looked amazing. I thought for sure they were real. I thought, oh, this is you know one of those the tattooed guys. Well, he pretended that he was, and he fooled us all, and by all all of us, I mean you. That's acting. (laughs) Graham's acting, and great, great makeup work by the makeup team. Yes. Really cool stuff. Yeah, shout out. Well, thank you so much. What a great episode. Season two just keeps knocking them out of the park, man. Keeps just just slugging away. It's so impressive. I don't want to get my hopes up, but I I have high, high, high hopes for this two-part season finale. (laughs) Like, I don't want to get my hopes up, but my hopes are very high for this final (laughs) two episodes. Um, well, let's hope it, let's hope it does not disappoint, Robbie. Let's hope. Well, thank you also, uh, for supporting our advertisers and thank you to our Patreon supporters. Oh, don't forget Patreon supporters, Rob and I are going to be putting up there our palette of beards That's right. for each of you to reference. When we give a vote, you'll go, oh, what does he mean by the George Michael? And you'll go and you'll see, and you're like, oh, that's what he means. And so then the beard grading system will be even clearer to you. That's right. visual imagery that we will provide on Patreon shortly. That's on Patreon. Thanks again for the supporters and the advertisers, because these are the things that keep our podcast going. So, And you know what else is on uh, Patreon, Robbie? Bonus clips, photos, unreleased content. It's great. You got to check it out. Yeah. Um, All right. Thanks again. uh, And we'll see you for the exciting two-part finale coming up soon. Coming up next, really, coming up next week. Yes, exactly. This episode of Supernatural features Jared Padalecki as Sam Winchester and Jensen Ackles as Dean Winchester. Guest stars included Samantha Smith, Adrian Palicki, Mackenzie Gray, and Michelle Borth. What Is and What Should Never Be was written by Ray L. Tucker and directed by Eric Kripke. Edited by Anthony Pinker. Music by Christopher Leonards. Supernatural is executive produced by Eric Kripke and Robert Singer. The episode featured the following songs. What a Wonderful World by Joey Ramone. Saturday Night Special by Leonard Skinner. I didn't know Joey Ramone did that by himself and not with the Ramones. I didn't realize that either. The episode originally aired on May 3rd, 2007. This episode of Supernatural Then and Now was hosted and executive produced by Richard Spate Jr. and Rob Benedict. Produced by Stephen Hine. Written by Stephen Hine and Heide Holscher. And edited and associate produced by Trey Booty. What's up, Booty? Music provided by Tim Wynn. The episode was recorded with the help of Sonic Fuel Studios. This podcast is from Story Mill Media. Follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at SPN Then and Now. And join our Patreon at patreon.com slash SPN Then and Now. Great. Fun. Boom.
Listen, you asshole. Sending me pictures of cakes the whole time. How do you pronounce that? A gin? Gin. Just gin. Gin. He even mows the lawn in December. In Is Kansas. that an air quote? <laughs> That's dirty. Uh, you can take that out, Steve. Gin. Not, not gin. Gin. It's like, can I get a gin and tonic? Got it. Story Mill Media. 